You know, in this room there are a number of banners. The one about Jerusalem, I don't know what happened. We had the flag of Jerusalem. That would have been appropriate. You know, tomorrow's the day we move. We recognize them as the capital. But, but I was thinking this week, they're not here by accident. Now, we might have put them here by accident. I'm not the smartest kid on the block. I'm just going to be honest with you. A lot of things we just stumble across. You think we plan nine months later? Oh, also, it's Pentecost next weekend. You think we plan that? There's no way. We don't know that kind of stuff. You know, so we put these things up, a lot of them. But anyway, this one, let me just go over. This one is the one that, uh, the banner of holiness. People ask us from time to time, what is that strange language? It's an ancient Semitic language that means what this banner says, Holy shalt thou be, for I the Lord thy God am holy. And the story behind it, we put this up over in the warehouse many years, many years ago now. And um, I kind of just forgot about it, you know, the meaning. I, I just, I don't know, you, you just forget things sometimes. But this, Bob Jones had a prophetic experience where he went to the trophy room of Satan, where Satan had had these trophies of things that he had stolen from the body of Christ. One of them was the banner of holiness. And you remember we shared this. When Bob grabbed the banner, all hell broke loose. And there had been some stuff breaking loose. And anyway, that's it. Now, that's not it, nat you know, in the physical. I'm sure that's not the same material. But it had an ancient Semitic writing of, of language, and that's it. It's in this church. That's why a lot of stuff breaks loose. And the enemy does not want you walking in holiness, but we have to walk in holiness. To much is given, much is required. The Lord says without holiness, no one, no one was, will even see him and so that's the message. It's not the holiness that, you know, we wipe the way you dress and all those things. We need His holiness. He is our holiness. Amen. You know, it's through the shed blood of Jesus. But, you know, the false grace message that's out and all that stuff. And we've been raising that banner. We'll keep doing that. But then there's this one over here is the banner of revolution. You know, think about it. Let me share something. We're going to come back to Matthew, but look over in the book of Ecclesiastes real quick. You know, the people in the know that are smart tell us that we're in the revolution war cycle. They study history. And the elite know, they, they know the, the cycles of the earth. And so they're preparing, you know, so many years. Things come around, things that happen will come back around again. How many of you know history repeats itself? That's biblical. It's not just something they told us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, it says, That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is any, there anything of which it will be said, See, this is new. Now, yes, he makes all things new, so you understand. But it may be new to us. It's not new to God. You know what I mean? But we understand that. And it says, it has already been in ancient times before us. There's where history repeats itself. But verse 11, here's the sad part. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. And so the scripture says that we, that's why they stopped teaching history in school. 
They don't want our kids to remember history. Because if you remember history, you can do something about your, your present. And you can chart the course of the future. So they eliminate history, or they rewrite history. You know, they rewrite it according to their liberal mindset. And all that stuff's going on, and that's why we got to keep preaching the truth in the church until we're blue in the face. we got to keep it up. We cannot. Even when they shut us down, we're going to keep preaching. They did that in Vietnam. They kept preaching, even though they tried to shut them down. And they're not going to shut them down this time. They're not going to shut them down. But anyway, we, we really are in a revolution cycle. How many of you know that? There's a Marxist revolution going on right now in America. How many of you know that? There's an Islamic revolution. You know, there was a part of that revolution is, you ever heard this before? We are going to fundamentally change the United States of America. Well, they've been doing that. Do you know, folks, today, now, I read where, according to George Barna, 77% of Americans now believe that divorce is not even a moral issue. It's no big deal. Now, we know God forgives the divorcee, Right? There's forgiveness, restoration, he makes all things new. But still, it, God hates divorce. But much of America says God must love it. And then I saw where 70%, 71% now believe in America that marriage between men and men and women and women, gay marriage is now, you know, totally acceptable. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable before God. That doesn't mean we're bigots. It means we believe what God said. There's God's plan. He made one man, one woman. It's just the, the pattern. But anyway, we're in the midst of a great revolution. Now, my own opinion. You want to hear my opinion? I don't, this is not thus saith the Lord. It's my opinion. But I believe they had everything in place a few years ago. They had the surveillance system in place. They even surveyed the... Trump. They had it. They, it's all, you can look when you're driving down the interstate, it, there are cameras looking at you everywhere you go. They had it all in place. They had health care in place. You think Obamacare was to make people healthy? It was to control who lives or dies. So they had that in place. That's why there's a war to keep it, you know. And they had the financial system, these laws that they squeezed in in the late hour of the night, and they didn't tell them. They had a lot of stuff in place. All they needed was a candidate to be at the right place at the right time, and guess what God did? He flipped the switch. He turned it around. He spoiled the plans of the enemy to give you and me an opportunity. Now, if you don't like the president, it's okay. But all I know, he's given the church an opportunity to be free and to do our bidding, to do the bidding of the Father. So it's an amazing time. And I know I had a dream where people were criticizing Trump, and I saw a man sitting at a table. He was an elderly man. Remember I shared this? And the man looked at me and he said, Do not touch my anointed. And God said, He's serious. He's taking notes. He's taking names of those that are touching his anointed. Now, he's anointed. That's you and me, too. It's kings. It's anyone that God has positioned and put in a certain place. He's put you as a king, as a priest, as a man and woman of God. I'm telling you, God is serious in this hour. He's going to be proven that he is God, not man. There's a great battle taking place. Man is not going to be God when it's all said and done. Well, nor is the beast, but we're going to have to battle this thing. But anyway, we're now here's why we put that up there way back. We didn't know much about what was happening. It's a revelation revolution. See the little E and the little A? 
That's what we need. We need a revolution of a revelation of Jesus Christ again in America. And that's what I believe we're here for. We're right on time. And then, you know, coming into this building. Now, Pastor Jim told me about it. I wasn't even thinking this. He said, when you come in the door, you see this banner that says, May Christ receive, you know, the reward of his suffering. That's the uh, motto, or not so much the motto, but it, it was the hearted beat of the Moravian missions movement. So you come through the door. We want people to do what Heather did two weeks ago. Find Jesus so that Jesus might receive the reward of his suffering, a great harvest of souls. But then when you go out, there's the banner that says, Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. When you go out those doors, you're commissioned to go to the nations. Do the will of the Father. Raise the dead, heal the sick, preach the gospel. Amen, you know what I'm talking about. Are you guys still with me? And this one over here, this was the first flag flown over America on Washington ships and during the Revolutionary War and appeal to heaven. And we've talked about that before because our help is not in any politician. We, we're going to pray, but our help comes from above. And we are appealing to heaven. We know that's the only hope and the place. And then, you know, outside we have this banner. And it just was a thought that came to my mind, but it's the time in which we're living. We're gathering for the kingdom's purposes. This is not about a church, a local church. Yes, God is into local churches, but He's more into the kingdom of God. It does, he did not say, and this gospel of the local church shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. No. He said, then this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. And so there's a kingdom that God is about. You know, somebody challenged me this week. They said, you need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in your church. And I thought about it. I thought, well, you know, wait a minute. They have been coming all along. They're just not here all the time. What do you think Jack Taylor is? What do you think David Hogan is? What do you think Brother Sadu is? What do you think Rick Joyner is? I started thinking of all the people. Lance Walnow, Etienne. Last week, what do you think Etienne is? Etienne speaks into this church. I asked him to speak into the church, and he told me things. Because he sees things when he goes to these churches around the world. And he sees things that are really interesting. And I pray I'll be a good steward of what he told me. And then this one is Jesus reigns. And that's what we want to do. We want to proclaim there's only one king in this hour, ultimately. And his name is Jesus. So you guys are awful quiet. You better... You better get loud. Now, here's the last, here's something else. I, I wanted to, this is just the introduction. Because, how do I put this? Well, just put it like I did it. Okay. Good plan. About a year and a half ago, I saw another banner. I saw it in my spirit. And I didn't put it up. I don't know if I miss God or not. Because I've seen it happen, whether we put it up or not. And it was this scripture in Matthew. I saw it right up there. I saw it. This is what I saw. The Lord said, do not think. Now, when the Lord says do not think, what does he mean? Don't even think. You know, some of you are thinking, thinking, thinking. You need to quit thinking. That's what he said. Quit thinking. Don't think. Don't even think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's the banner I saw. In my, and with, you know, let me just tell you, I've seen some of that stuff happening. The sword is the war. 
war. We've been praying against war. He's the one that causes war to cease. We've been, we were praying, you know, that God would not allow war to erupt in Syria. And I believe he's heard and answered our prayer. And, uh, you know, there are other places, hot spots on the earth. We, we as the body of Christ, we got to rise up in this hour. Now, I know there are going to be wars and rumors of wars, and those we won't be able to do anything about. But we need to pray the kingdom of God, the peace of God. The kingdom of God is peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's to be our part. We pray for that to break out all over the earth. Amen? Are you guys with me? But then it also means separation. Now, just a review, because we've gone over this before, but some of you, it's the first time you've ever been here, or you've never, you weren't here when I shared this, so you get to hear it. For you, the first time. Now, what are the divisions taking place in this hour? Think about it. On a broader scale, well, first of all, there's the division, or the separation, might be a better word. Separation of the wheat from the tares. Now, Jesus talked about there are tares in every congregation, right? They're tares. If we go around and try to pull them out, we're going to mess it up. You're going to mess it up big time. You're going to pull somebody up. That, In fact, that's not our part. The Lord will come and gather the tares together in bundles. For what? To throw them into the fire. And He will gather His wheat into the barns. This looks like a big old barn to me. It looks like a good place for gathering of the wheat, the gathering of the harvest. That's our vision. We're going to keep casting the nets until we don't have arms to cast them. Okay? We're going to believe. We're going to believe God. It's His will. He, it's His will that none should perish. He came to seek and save that which is lost. But the wheat from the tares. Now, when will this happen, the wheat and the tares? During a specific season. What is it? Harvest. So the harvest is a little bit beyond just seeing people come to Jesus. It's also is the time when the Lord will come, the Lord of the harvest, and gather the tares, all things that offend out of his church, and gather them together and throw them into the fire. And then there'll be the separation of the sheep and the goats. I, I believe, this is my opinion again, but I believe the enemy was attempting to make America a goat nation. That was the plan. But God interrupted because the people of God cried out to heaven. We made our appeal to heaven. I, be, I personally believe if we see a great awakening, we're going to be back on the course to being a sheep nation. This is God's purpose for America. It is not that we be a goat nation. It is that we be a sheep nation. And that we lead the way in many ways to people to the Lord. I believe our best days are ahead of us. Not our last. Not our, they're still to come. And then there's a separation of the righteous from the wicked. You know how you're going to do, you know how that's going to happen. Malachi. We won't go there. But it says, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. You know when you have unity in the church? When the fear of God comes. You'll speak to one another when the fear of God is there. Because you'll fear God more than the opinion or whatever. But then it said, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, so a book of remembrance was written. And he said, they shall be mine on the day that I make them my jewels. Somebody, we were talking to somebody this morning. Jewels, for a jewel to be a jewel, what does it have, what has to happen? You go, pressure, but some fire too, especially the diamond, the gold. But then it says, on that day, then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. 
How's he going to separate the righteous from the wicked in America? The fire. Amen. The fire will separate. It'll refine the righteous and destroy the wicked. There'll, the psalm talks about there'll be a day you'll look for the wicked and you won't even be able to find them. But this is not the day yet. So we've got to go after the wicked, convert them to becoming the righteous. That's our task. But then the next thing, the next separation, it goes on in that scripture and says, and though you'll also discern those who serve God from those who do not. Now think about Matthew chapter 7. Don't go to sleep in this message. You've got to hear it. Okay? Matthew 7, he says, there will be false prophets who will come to you as ravenous wolves. They'll be dressed in sheep's clothing. You'll know them by their fruit. But also, sheep's clothing... That's the key. They will come in sheep's clothing. They will look like they are the servants of the Most High God. And in Matthew 24, they will even say that Jesus in his first person says, they will say, I am the Christ and will deceive many. That means both things. They will, they will be those who will say they are the Christ, the false Christ. But it means also there will be those who will point to Jesus and say, he is the Christ. And yet they'll still deceive many. That's why you have to know the word. You got to know the word. But God's going to separate. You know, one of the ways you'll know those who went from those who were sent, those who went cannot stand, they will not survive the fire. They, they're not going to handle it. They were those who went on selfish ambition. They went to do something their own self, their own work, their own way, and God's going to separate. I was in a situation this week where... I can't go into a lot of detail because I'm on camera, but I was just... In fact, I was on camera when this situation happened. And, and anyway, I don't want to go there, but... You know, men love their traditions more than they love the Word of God. Many men in the pulpits of America, they love their tradition more than what thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you, God's going to come and... I'm glad I don't have the authority to fix any of that. Because... I'd mess it up big time. And then there's a separation of the wise and the foolish. And the wise are those who will do what? Oil. Fill up their oil. Their lamps with oil. The foolish will not. Then there's the left from the right. And I've always wondered, Lord, does that mean the politically left? No, probably not. But it could. It does fit. He said, depart from me on the left, you know, you workers. But anyway, we won't go there because God loves the left. He loves the right. And we want to see the left come, not to the right, we want to see the left come to Jesus, is what we want to do. And that's what we're going after. We don't care. They can stay on the left if they want. They'll one day realize they were wrong. A lot on the right are going to realize they were wrong. All I know is he's right. And I want to be in right with him. I, have enough, I believe that most people really don't know a whole lot about what's really right, unless they know him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Then you can know... It'll all be straightened out. Remember what he said, don't judge two things too quickly. Till God comes and then he'll straighten it out and he'll figure, he'll show you the motives of man's heart and the things will be made known that God approved of and God did not approve of. How many of you know there'll be a day where things that we thought were approved in our eyes were not approved in God's eyes? And likewise, the other way. And then there'll be the faithful versus the faithless. The faithful versus the faithless, and there are scriptures over in uh, Revelation 13:10 referring to 
to those who will worship the beast. He said, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. The faith is going to come, faith is going to rise to the top in this hour. At the end of the age, you're going to be under some major heat and pressure and the cream will always rise to the top. Revelation 14, 12, referring to the time of Babylon, when Babylon will be judged. In the hour of judgment, he says, here is the patience. And here are those who keep the commandments and the faith of Jesus. And then in Revelation 17, 14, referring to the beast again. Now, this is what I may repeat Friday, okay? I may have to repeat some of this because it has to do with the beast. But the Lord, the Lamb, will, the Lamb will overcome. And it said, those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. we got to be faithful. How long? To the end. He that endures to the end. I used to, I told you, I used to look at that and think, God, will anybody endure? Because I'm thinking about my own self. Lord, how can I endure? But I feel like that's a statement of faith. He that endures, when he finds faith, he's going to give us the grace to endure, and he's going to find faith when he returns on the earth. I'm determined. He said, when I return, will I find faith. How many of you are determined? When he returns, I'm going to be one of the faithful. Amen. We've got to believe that. We've got to expect it. We've got to be champions in this hour. This is not an hour for the weaklings. But anyway, let's go back to the text. Okay, you ready? I hope when there's a bunch of more chairs, it looks like, you know, you guys watching. We got about 400 more chairs than we would normally have. Maybe not that many. Maybe 385 or 90. I don't know. There's a bunch of chairs more than we would normally have. Now, I said this the last time we had this conference. I pray we never have to move these chairs again. I know it's a little tight, so be it. I'd rather it be tight. I want people lined up outside the door, begging to get in, running. I don't want it to have the whole world to fall apart. I want them to come when they, because they know He loves them. I'd rather it be because God so loved the world. He loves you. He loves you. Come to Him. Rather than things have to happen and they come to Him out of desperation. I know that's one of the ways it will happen as well, too. But the love of God sounds better to me. Doesn't it to you? I'd rather, you know, it says judge yourself lest you be judged. So in other words, it's better to judge yourself and examine yourself than have the Lord have to do it. God's discipline is a little more rough than our Father's discipline. You know, what does that say? In Hebrews, you know, they disciplined thinking they were doing good. God's, God disciplines and He is doing good. But he's also beating the tar out of you. Because if you look up the name, the, the Greek meanings of that, he's talks about a scourge. The discipline of the Lord. When you understand the discipline of the Lord, you'll have more of a fear of the Lord. And you'll run from evil. And it'll give you a motivation not to go there, not to say that, not to do that. To be slow to speak. I'm telling you, it'd be wise to be slow to speak in this hour. God is taking notes. I'm telling you, He is. There's people that speak against us. We hear about it from time to time. I bless them. I bless them. But God's taking notes. The key is, I don't want to respond back. When I respond back, then He's taking notes of me. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? This stuff is serious. There's going to be a book with all the deeds done in the body. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And one of the things we'll be judged for 
is the words that we spoke. Every idle word. We will give an account for every idle word that we've ever spoken. One day that's going to hit. Okay, let's go back now to the text. Look in verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. And so another way that he's going to separate, he's going to separate those who confess him and those who deny him. And then if you look at, because in verse 32 is what it says, Therefore whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever does what? Denies me before men. Him I will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So the rest of the time this morning, I, I want to look back in chapter 10 and just see what it says about when we're to confess him before men. We don't want to be on the line, on the, the side that denies him. There will be many that will deny him. And there are many examples that I believe Jesus gave us. My first sermon ever in my life, well, my, Shirley wasn't around, Emily, obviously, Isaac, they weren't around, what was I, I don't know, 20s, first sermon, I found it the other day, I found the notes, hey, when you guys, you should keep your notes, I know you keep it on this stupid phone today, but figure out a way to make a note, figure out a way to make notes, you want to keep your first sermon, or you know what I mean, one of your, but anyway, mine was, they, I, I don't know, probably the shortest sermon in history. But I read from Exodus, Who among you is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. You remember that text? And there was a great division that took place. Maybe God was right at that moment setting part of the message I was to preach it one day. Because I know he's going to separate the wheat from the tares, the, the just from the unjust. I missed that one. That's in there too and so much more. But he's going to separate those who confess him before men from those who deny him. Okay, let's go back to chapter 10, verse 5. Now, here's about six or seven things that we're going to be given the opportunity to confess him before men or deny him. All right, verse 5. The 12, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not... Enter a city of Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. Then he talks about, you know, having your gold in your bag on your journey. Verse 11, now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is in, in it worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. But here's verse 11, look, or 14. And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words. When you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Surely I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. But what's he basically saying to us? He says, confess him when you're received or whether you're rejected. Now, I want to tell you something. You guys got to get this down pat. If you're going to be in ministry, expect to be rejected. It's part of the resume. If all men speak well of you, we'd, I'm not going to... You probably won't preach here. I want... To hear that some, somebody's saying something evil. Because that means God's saying something good. And it's going to be that way. You're going to be rejected by men. Especially religious men. 
That's especially. You don't worry about whether you're received or not. The key is you go where he tells you to go. You say what he told you to say. You do what he told you to do. And you leave the results to him. Now, obviously, as a pastor, you have to be a little loving. You know, long. you got to be a little kind. You want to be like Jesus. You know what I mean? You can't be rude and crude and have some dumb religious spirit on you and just, well, thus saith the Lord, you know, I got the sword, I got, you know. That ain't going to work either. You got to be loving, but you got to say what he said. If God is for you, who can be against you? What that means, who cares who's against you? So you're going to have an opportunity in your life to either confess him before men or you'll Deny him because you are worried about being rejected. So what? What's new? How many of you have been rejected at least once? How many of you know it's going to happen again? Okay, so what? God is for you. God is for you. You've got to know it's got to be in your heart. I'm a, I'm a son or a daughter of the living God. God is for me. I don't care if everyone's against me. Now, if you're messing up, you'll have enough people come to you. And tell you, look, you're messing up here. This, look, I'm your brother. I love you. You're messing up. You receive that. You know, we submit one to another. But you obey God. You're going to stand before God one day. You won't stand before the people. I could tell you some personal stories in my younger part of ministry where I was challenged to, to change my message to fit with a particular denominational pattern. And I'll never forget that guy coming in my office, he was associational director. You remember that, Shirley? He said, if you preach that, you're going to get cut. Said, what do you mean, get cut? Are they going to cut me, string me up, cut my head off? What are, you, what are you talking about? You're going to get cut if you preach that. And I looked at him, and it came out of me. I didn't mean to. It just came. I said, if I sought to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. I'm going to preach what I'm, is on that billboard out there. And I preached, and revival came to Mississippi because of that. I'm telling you, it was a great outbreak of the Holy Spirit. They wrote about it. It was pretty cool. So, amen. Look in verse 16. All right, I'm going to get through this because it's Mother's Day, and we've got to go. I've got to take Shirley to eat. <laughs> we're, going, we're going to McDonald's. We're going to be the... I'm going to get, you know. No, I'm not going to McDonald's, boo. No. Burger King. No, all right, verse 16. Okay, the next thing. Confess or deny him. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, that's not fair. Think about it. Sheep in the midst of wolves? What chance does the sheep have? Surrounded by wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how what you're going to speak. For, in that, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. So we confess Him or deny Him. When we're being threatened by the courts of men, even by the arrest of men. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I'm telling you, if it comes to that place, and it will come to that place, there's going to be persecution. If you desire to live godly, you're going to be persecuted. 
And when the church really gets on fire, that's when the real... You will know that the American church is experiencing revival fire when the persecution's fires increase. They go hand in hand. Because that way, all the make-believers will fall out. And the believers will rise up. It's going to be. But in that hour, when you're put on trial, you, you say, listen, you don't even have to prepare in advance. You just say, God, the Father will give you what, the Spirit of your Father will give you what to speak. And you'll represent Him, and it'll be a testimony to them of who you are in your faith in Christ Jesus. We've heard many examples of that all over the world. It's already happening. And then in verse 21, verse 21, now brother, now this is a serious one, brother will deliver up brother to death. Now who's, who's reading, who's writing this? Who's speaking this? Jesus, it's in red. And a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Now look down in verse 35. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And he who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus said that, he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And this is when he says to take up your cross. And if you lose your life, you're going to find it. So the next thing is we confess him when your enemies are of your own household. How many of you know that's real? That's real. When your enemies are of your own household. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You've seen something like this. It happens. For, for a Muslim to be converted, they become, they could be cast out, thrown out, beheaded. But, you know, we've got to make a choice. God's going to see to it that there's a people that love Him. Now, He did not say, I know there's another scripture about hating your mother and father. Really, if you take all it in context, it's not, what it means is you love God so much that it might as well, compared to how much you love Him, there's no comparison with anyone else. Son or daughter, father or mother, your love for God is greater. Amen. Because you'll be a better father, you'll be a better mother, you'll be a better son or daughter if you love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. Everybody know the contents of context of that but it's going to be serious if your own son or your own daughter well that's what jesus said and then in verse 22 he says and you will be hated by all for my name's sake and so confess him even when you're hated by all because your love for god is greater and that's what jesus said and remember he said if they hated me they will love you no what did he say? If they hated me, they will hate you also. You know, America's getting ready for these hate crimes. The greatest hate crime in the days to come may be preaching the gospel that says it's God's will that man marry women and not one another. But I'm telling you now, it's not hate, it's love. You tell people the truth, it's love. You tell them in love, but you tell them the truth. If you really love somebody, you're going to tell them. Because if they're sinning and they're going the wrong way, the wages of sin is what? Death. We need to tell America. The wages of sin, America, is death. For nations, for families, for individuals, there's the grace of God. There's forgiveness. God loves you. 
But you must come to him the way that he's prescribed, and that's through his son and through repentance. You guys with me? And then verse 23, when they persecute you in the city, flee to another. I'm going to skip some of that. He goes on in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher or a servant above his master if they, they're going to go on. But anyway, when you confess him when you're facing persecution, when you're facing persecution, what are you going to do? You remember that little story I told you? I've got to stay with me a couple more minutes. You remember about this missionary told a story, some church down in South America somewhere, where a gunman, you know, took out his gun, walked up to the front, and he said, okay, all of you that will deny Jesus, you can leave. But those of you that confess him, you must stay. But I'm going to kill you. And so a bunch of the people got up, walked out. And then he went and locked the door, walked back up, put his gun on the altar and said, Good, now we can really have church. You know what I'm talking about. You can have church. Oh, some churches might get smaller in this hour. Some will get larger. It's a process. Or they, verse 24 says a disciple, and we just read this. Basically, they called Jesus. If they called the head, the head of the house, the master of Beelzebub, how much more will they call you? And basically, they're going to, when you are uh, persecuted, but also when you can confess him or deny him when you're falsely accused. Because look in verse 26. Therefore, do not fear them, for there's nothing covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. In other words, they will falsely accuse you. But you've got to remember, there will come a day that those things that were covered will be brought to light. Everything will be righted. So don't worry about writing it yourself. You're going to be falsely accused. It's part of the territory. Was Jesus falsely accused? Absolutely. You're going to be as well. That'll be an opportunity for you to confess him or deny him. And then over in verse 28... And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both your soul and your body in hell. And then he goes on to talk about how much, how important you are. The very head, hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you're of more value than any of these. So you can confess him or deny him when your life is threatened. When your light, your very life will be threatened. That's when you'll make that decision. And then back at the end of verse 22. But he that endures to the end will be saved. So we confess him or deny him when you're tempted to throw in the towel or endure and persevere unto the end. The Bible, Jesus said, no one that puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is even fit for the kingdom of God. God is a lot more serious than what the Americanized gospel has been telling us. That's one reason I like that guy that's coming next weekend. Because he told us, he read the scriptures and he said, this is the way. You live for him or you deny him. You will follow him or you will walk your own way. I like that kind of preaching. You will take up your cross or you will live for yourself. I mean, I like that stuff because America's got to hear it. And then, you know, do you remember John 666? Six, six, six. Anybody? Six, six, six. That's 
How many of you, that's your favorite number? None of you. You remember what it says, though? It is an important scripture. It says, and many who believed him followed him no more. They followed him to a point. Then it got too hot. It got too hard. You know, this stuff about dying to self and taking on him the path of the cross, living, letting Christ live in you and through you, not, not seeking your own, but seeking the Father's will, and many of them followed him no more. And then in verse 38 and verse 39, and we're just about to wrap it up, he says, He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life, he... Uh, will lose it. He that loses his life. In other words, you confess him as those whose hope is eternal. Because our hope is eternal. I heard they are still seeking for scientists in this hour. Are you know, they've done this all through history, but scientists are seeking for immortality. They're trying to find that genetic link where men can live forever. And they've come up with this thing called cryotics or cryotics. Have you heard about it? Where they're going to. The, the, the belief is if they freeze you, right? When you die, if they can get to you really quick, they will freeze you. And then when they create or they find the, the reason or the remedy for why you died in the first place, they'll thaw you out and they'll have the remedy they're ready to give you and you'll be back as good as new. That's just one of their other ways. I, scientists are going to get... I know some of them are smart, but some of them are going to become more and more foolish. The wisdom of men is not very wise. It's the wisdom of God. But you know what? We already have eternal life. We already have immortality. Those who put their trust in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not do what? They'll not perish, but they will have everlasting life. Even when you die, you believe in Him, yet shall you live. We've already got the remedy. We should tell the scientists we have the answer. It's not cryotics. It's the kingdom of God. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, the son of the living God, who lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the dead. is coming again. But he lives inside of me right now and inside of you, if you know him. Amen.